Hello and welcome to Movies on the Side. This is Stephen Robles. This is the end. Hold your breath and count to ten. This is Nate Darnowski. <laughs> and this week we review the 2012 James Bond movie Skyfall. And I really like this movie, unlike me. I did not like this movie. It was just a story about a man having a vendetta against a very old woman. I think Javier Bardem is one of the best Bond villains. I disagree. I think the action scenes at the end of this movie at a dusty old mansion are pretty great. I think the Home Alone antics are fun and then it degrades to another cliche action scene. And you're going to hear about all this and more on this episode of Movies on the Side. <laughs> We're doing the 2012 James Bond movie, Skyfall. Now, listeners, I know what you're thinking. We just did a James Bond film. Why are you doing another one? Well, it's because I have ascertained that Nate feels this is like a subpar James Bond movie. Have I ascertained that correctly, Nate? You have ascertained that correctly. So this episode is basically me trying to understand why you're wrong. And me trying to convince Stephen that he is wrong. Okay. All right, so first of all, I would like you to guess the Rotten Tomatoes because you think this movie is bad. I think Skyfall critically was 78%. 92. 92%. Audience, 84. Very close, 86. Okay, so this is the third Daniel Craig movie. Now, I, I don't know if you've done this. We, we, this was not homework. I did not do Quantum of Solace. If you're going to ask me, did I see the one in between? I did not. Okay, so I saw the four Daniel Craig James Bonds in like a three-day stretch. Ooh. Because after we did Casino Royale, I remembered I liked Bond movies, and I liked Daniel Craig's Bond, so I watched all four in a row. Because I also remember that there was like continuity. There's like a through line. Amongst these James Bond movies. Daniel Craig. No, well, not just that, Nate. There's actually <laughs> plot points that are, like, throughout the movies. And that makes it interesting. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Spectre, Nate. Do you remember any of these of these movies? Yeah, I've seen all of them. Seen all four of them. Spectre has Christoph Waltz in it. That's right. He, very good bad guy. But not as good as the bad guy in this movie, I think. <sighs> Let's. Okay, first. Every James Bond movie's got an opening scene. Action-y, typically. I think this James Bond movie has a great opening scene. The chase ending in Daniel Craig and the other guy fighting on top of the train. The other agent having to take the sniping shot hits Daniel Craig. He's falling. And as soon as he hits the water, Adele starts singing. Nate, tell me what's wrong with that. Take the shot. Overall, that scene is great. Exactly. I think it's great. I think motorcycles on top of, I believe they're in Istanbul. The Not Constantinople? I'm not going to sing the song. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you know that it was Byzantium before that? Yeah, it was the Byzantine Empire. Byzantine Empire, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the action scene was great. Okay. it's not, There's no free running because he's older now. Right. I thought the use of cat construction equipment again is sort of, I felt like I was watching Casino Royale again because he's always driving some sort of tractor. <laughs> he was driving it on a train this time. Right. I thought the motorcycle chase was fun. I thought the train chase was fun. Uh, the car chase, not so much. I think I'm fatigued with car chases. Whoever the stunt double Daniel Craig was in the motorcycle chase gets a lot of credit because he was doing all the work. And then it would cut <laughs> to Daniel Craig on some sort of green screen holding on to the handlebars. Right. I was like, okay. But overall, very good. Okay. I did have this question. 
He dismounts the motorcycle to get onto the train by ramming the motorcycle into a guardrail of a bridge, and it stops and he flies off. Right. And I have to think, that's not the best way to dismount to get onto a train. Yeah, that one was a little weird. Like, why didn't he just jump off the bridge onto the train? Did he need that extra oomph? Fast-moving train, I mean, maybe he needs the momentum. Also, I have one more thing from that scene. Again, ultimately... Steven, good scene, okay. good start of the movie, good mm-hmm. transition to Skyfall. Right. The bad guy, the in, you know, nondescript bad guy he's chasing, who is in this movie far too much for being a faceless, nameless, who cares about him. <laughs> right. He goes under a bridge at one point in time. Yes. He ducks down, and for a time, like, because they're going through these bridges on top of the train. That was harrowing for me, because... If I were to be on top of a train and duck down to fit under, I would also assume, I think, is it Mission Impossible that has taught me? Mm. There could be more dangly things underneath that bridge. Right. Exit And you can never and- trust that there won't be a part where it gets super tight to the roof. Right. That is true. But that's all I really had. I think Moneypenny, or we find out later is Moneypenny, trying to take the shot, accidentally shooting Bond. By the way... If you're going to shoot, I think I'd hope that you'd shoot several times just in case cuz that's the worst case scenario. You shoot Bond but not shoot the other guy. Do you think she should have taken the shot? Sure. <laughs> See, I would give Bond the chance. I feel like he would have pulled it out. Yeah, you're right. He's he's definitely by this time he is he is solaced and quantumed and casinoed. <laughs> he's 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 got grit. He's got a good track record. Yeah, I think at this point in time if they're truly fighting and they're locked in it, and it's yeah. I think you kind of have to be like, all right, let him finish it. That's what I think. Sort yeah. of thing. Also, he had an earpiece <clears throat> in. Couldn't she say to him, "I'm about to shoot, duck." It might have fallen out. I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure he later quotes to Money Punny, "Take the shot." Uh, with Sean Connery in this movie, I didn't see him in it. Yeah. <laughs> so the other th- the other reason why we thought about doing another 007 movie, Sean Connery. He passed away since yeah. we did The Rock and the other one. So. Anyway, we have to do a Sean Connery 007 soon. Yeah, we were doing a lot of Sean Connery stuff before uh, before that happened, and then I felt like, oh, right. we had been doing sort of a uh, an honorary Sean Connery thing before he even passed away. I know. That's crazy. I just want to say that scene ended with Bond hitting the water and that being the first, like... And it should be immediately dying, right? No, no, no. no. He fell on his neck from, like, 150 feet into the he water. fell on his back, and the hit from the song skyfall at the start of the song right as he hits the water i just like that transition i thought that was great really good and i would say overall great start to a movie okay now we have down and out bond bond survived mi6 thinks he's dead yep and so they kind of do his whole you know oh he's gone boohoo and then we see bond like drinking uh stuff with a scorpion on his hand that's cool yep he's kind of like doing his own thing yep and then when he finally gets back to mi6 he's like you know not up to par he's you know kind of struggling to get back into the swing of things yep you know he's a little uh, mentally unstable yep i think uh i like that addition to the whole bond character in this movie i feel like it adds some dimension to bond whole okay hold on hold right there steven yeah I, I'm with you. Okay. It okay. is a good element to have. Right. It is a new, fresh sort of Bond is not fit to be an agent. He right. fails his tests. Yeah, he can't shoot. He's missing. 
Yeah. He's got shaky hands. That's right. That whole thing is completely forgotten about after an hour and 15 into this movie. Uh, he fights just fine. He shoots just fine. No. He's no, still No, great. no, no, no. Wait a minute. Now, wait a minute, Nate. When he's on that island with Javier Bardem... And he says, shoot the, the thing okay, off the that's, lady. That's the one the it one carries place. through. That's all I'm saying. And then he doesn't really have to be a marksman the rest of the movie. He's doing other things. I'm just saying it doesn't really... It's not like he goes through like withdrawal from alcohol or something later. Like He's still... I don't know. It just doesn't have any. It doesn't have any payoff because one, he doesn't like come around and have a like a transformation, which would be fun. Two, he doesn't really deal with it the rest of the movie because although that shot thing was like a little bit shaky for the most part, he's pretty marksman through these other areas of this movie. He never actually comes back and says, "Hey, why did you put me in the field? You know, I failed all these tests." And M tells him that he failed all the tests. Yeah, he doesn't seem upset by that. No, because he—I mean, he knows Nate. He was the one that fired the gun when he was back in the training facility, and he missed the paper. I mean, and he like walks forward shooting at it angrily. He knows he's not up right. to par. But and then later he's still in service. Shouldn't this be addressed? I mean, just saying, you fail all your stuff. That should be addressed. You're you're James Bond, the world's worst spy because everyone knows you. But well, I wouldn't say the worst. At some point in time, you have to be called to account for your like. What's the point of having these tests if you're just going to let this guy out and about? Because even with his handicaps, still the best. Ugh. He's, listen, he's having an existential crisis throughout this whole movie, ending in like the cathartic <laughs> blowing up of his parents' house. Spoiler alert. Ugh. I mean, I, I get the existential crisis. So he comes back. MI6, the headquarters is blown up by the bad guy. Yep. I like the second headquarters. I like all the scenes in this like uh, building B. Bunker. Of MI6. Yeah, the bunker, the underground. I like that Q gets to stretch his legs a little bit. We get to hear from him a little more. That's cool. He's introduced in this movie, right? The new Q? You might be right. Age is no guarantee of efficiency. And youth is no guarantee of innovation. But yeah, if they're introduced, I love that first scene in the art gallery. And they talk about age and all this kind of stuff. It's a good scene. I like that scene. Yep, fine scene. And then uh, James Bond goes off. We we have the casino scene. He has the fight with the uh, Komodo dragons and the other guy. That's fun. He before that he goes to Shanghai and he yes. uh, follows a guy who's sent to kill a nameless guy. Fights that guy and pushes him off. Let me tell you something. This is um, a through line of this whole movie. There are truly artfully beautiful shots yes there are some shots that are just like i'm putting these in here because this is like a beautiful storyboard this is yeah this is fun like the those giant chinese characters on the billboard yes and these bright lights and it creates a silhouette of these two guys fighting Yes. And all of these reflecting glass pieces. And later with Aston Martin, you see in the rearview mirror metal, the guy sneaking up to the mansion. And there are these, the shots with like the burning house, the the colors there and the, how they approach the city. Yes. And the, the shots of the rooftop of Istanbul earlier on and through this market. The kind of camera angles and different ways to kind of, um, interesting ways to shoot this film. Yes. There are a lot of fun, like you could just grab a bunch of stills that are iconic. Yes, I, I totally agree. That fight scene is awesome. To your point, 
not wholly believing his abilities later in the movie when he holds on to the bottom of that elevator and gets taken all the way up the building. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was a little like, I don't know if you can hold on for that entire elevator ride. Right. And then like lift yourself up into the, (laughs) that was a one part. I also like the idea. I mean, like he fights with that guy in Shanghai after he follows him up that elevator, which yes, I'm thinking like he lets go with a hand, like see, Mm -hmm. but then he's able to get up just fine. Yeah, Yeah. I would have liked to see him struggle a little bit fighting a top of the line operative guy, mercenary dude and show like physically he's struggling a little bit. I thought he struggled a little bit, but he like handles himself just fine. And they're kind of go toe to toe and yeah. he gets the best of them. Okay. Well, here's what I want to get to. So we, we have those scenes. We have the casino scene where he meets the lady. Lady takes them to Javier Bardem. We have to, we have to pause here. Oh, why would we have to we pause? We have to pause because of this lady who I don't know her name. <laughs> okay. Well, let me look. What it, is her name? Let me look it up. Severine is the character name. Her real name. Are you going to try and say it? You want me to try and say it? No, I thought you were going to go for it. Berenice Marlowe. I'm going to go with that. Sounds good to me. Okay. Yes. Bond meets her in the casino. Right. She has different, very different looks. And I had a moment thinking, are you the same person from that last scene? Yeah. Are you exactly the same? But she is. She is in this movie for 18 minutes. Was that about correct? It is very short. one longer scene. Shorter than you would expect. Right. Exactly. I liked the beginning of her character and the scene they have in Macau, I think. Where uh, she like he talks about like you're afraid you are you know you've been taken by this Javier Bardem character right. Silva right and you don't actually want to be here and she's like yeah, like they're gonna kill you I thought that scene was great I thought him doing his little like uh, toast up to the air to all these bodyguards yes, that he's hilarious. about to fight yes really good so I thought she was all fine and good but there's no connection to Man, are we doing spoilers in this movie? I think we just need to keep going like it is. So no spoiler horn today, listener. Okay. It's a 2012 movie. Stop now. Uh, just let everyone know. I didn't think this was that great of a movie. Steven loved it. <laughs> we'll talk about this later. <laughs> you can go watch it if you want. She, la- 10 minutes later in the movie, gets killed. Yes. By Silva. I don't know if I was supposed to feel that death a little bit more. But there was something like, I never got their connection. So here's what I would have liked. A little bit, he kind of has some Eva Green from Casino Royale, like sort right. of flashbacks of like, hey, she's a person who got in too far over her head. Right, right, right. And she can't get out. And she's like in with this really bad guy. And there's a connection there. I never saw any connection. What do you think? I think we're supposed to believe she's the Bond girl for this movie. Because most Bond <sighs> movies will have one or two Bond girls. And so they, they right. try to set her up as she's going to be the one that later in the movie is in peril. Mm-hmm. And Bond is going to rescue her. Mm. And I think, to use a term from Adam Lissagor last week, they subverted our expectations. Because when they're brought to the island and she is killed so quickly, right. I think it's shocking. And I think that that speaks to the unhingedness of Silva, played by Javier Bardem. And what makes him a good bad guy is that he's like deranged and it's shocking. That's the best, you're right, that's the best showing that Silva is super dangerous, that this, he kills her with like no, 
not even a second thought, just a flippancy. Right. So, but here I'm going to say this. I think that her inclusion in the movie felt like an obligatory, we need a Bond girl in here, unless it didn't have anything for me, if that makes sense. You made such a bold entrance into a little drama. Did I overcomplicate the plot? I think the part that probably could have been left out is the scene on the boat. No. I have something to say here about the scene on the boat. Okay, all right. Watch me. This is when Stephen cringes, and this is when I continue, because he almost puts like a note in the editing button, like, yeah. note to start pausing podcast here. Mm-hmm. She, there is a, I would say, you know, nothing shown, showering on the boat. Right. He comes in. They have not seen each other since he fought off all these bodyguards. He walks in behind the foggy glass, comes up to her, and they start right. kissing. Right? Yes. Fair point. Yeah. I need to say something right here. Okay. This is the most unrealistic thing in this movie. <laughs> and here's why. When I shower, I used to have hair to wash, <laughs> but I still wash my face. There is a time in every shower where you your eyes are closed because there's soap around it. Yeah. And I'll tell you, there is never a time where I am more vigilant to be attacked. <laughs> there is never a time I am more on guard than at that for the four seconds where my eyes are closed and there's soap and I can't open up. Yeah. Because yeah. at any that is my most vulnerable. Right. I can be shanked, I can be shivved, I can be attacked. They can come in with the with a you know, the curtain from the shower curtain and snuff me out. <laughs> is this all being done by Jill? Because there's no one else in your house. No, no, no. This would okay. ob- obviously be a home invader. Oh, I see. Right? Right, sure. So here's the thing. In her mind, she's alone well. It's sort of weird. She's not alone on the boat because there are other like henchmen around. Right. So apparently they're cool with Bond sneaking onto this boat, but oh well. She assumes she's not going to be interrupted and is alone on this boat and there's no one friendly around. All that there is are bad dudes with guns and henchmen. Mm. All I'm saying is that if someone sneaks up behind anyone, her who's had a very, very rough life, sure, you, me, if anyone were to sneak up on you, it would not be a pleasant, ah, I'm getting hugged from behind <laughs> in the shower. It would be, this yeah. is the end. This is my time. Especially because she should, and she does, fear for her life. Right. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, every once in a while, open the shower curtain and check to make sure there's not an invader. All right, Nate. That was a, that was a long diatribe on a 30-second scene. Yes. <laughs> I understand your consternation, and it goes to my point. I think he could have just left that out. He could have just shown up on the boat. <laughs> she could have been sitting at the dinner table, a place set for him, she thinking he's dead, and he walks in. So we move past that. To your earlier point, the cinematography of the sailboat pulling up to the island, Silva's like headquarters island. Beautiful. Right. They Love stand that. at the front of the boat. Yeah, a little, epically. A little Titanic-like, but it looks beautiful. Now we are introduced to Silva played by Javier Bardem, the bad guy of this movie. And I'm going to say my general opinion is that he is one of, I think, the best Bond villains across Bond movies. I think Javier Bardem communicates a certain craziness Mm -hmm. and sadisticness Mm -hmm. and intelligence. Like he is, he's intelligent. He's, he's planning stuff for a long time. He knows what he's doing. He's got a vendetta against M I think that he is a creepy bad guy and does well as a Bond villain. That is my opinion. 
I disagree. You don't like him. You don't like Javier Bardem. You're still clinging to your faith in that old woman. When all she does is lie to you. She never lied to me. No? No. What did you score on your marksmanship evaluation? 70. <laughs> 40. I think ultimately his personality is great. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's kind of Heath Ledger Joker-esque yes. in the idea of like, I'm just kind of here for the chaos. Something broke in me due to my past. Like, I really do. Like, especially when he's in that cage. Yes, the glass. And he's kind of sitting in the glass. The glass, like, yes. All good. Yes. All good. Uh-huh. I don't. The, prob- the biggest problem is that he does not have big enough ambitions nor is he because he doesn't really care about his own life nate he's out for revenge yeah he has a vendetta against m skyfall is about a wounded agent trying to kill an old woman yes and that's the that's the log line for this movie and it's not enough but saying old woman is such like a (laughs) understatement like this is judy dench as m who's been m for a long time you're right a huge figure okay i'll say it again a a deranged former agent attempts to kill off uh an actress who is tired of playing the same role for seven movies (laughs) no 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 you don't get to do that listen (laughs) this movie is setting it up where james bond having his existential crisis eventually having to face his parents mansion that he grew up in he does he's an orphan doesn't actually face he has m as a surrogate mom and now he finds this villain who also treats M as a surrogate mom, only M betrayed him, leaving him to Do die, you, which is why I his jaw. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on. Until the end. He talks about it in the glass cage. He calls her mom like all the time. Subject is not approved for field duty and immediate suspension from service advised. What is this if not betrayal? She sent you off to me knowing you're not ready, knowing you would likely die. Mommy was very bad. No, I believe Javier Bardem. I don't believe that James Bond has this amazing, great connection with Judy. He calls her mum since Casino Royale. 007. You are ready for this? Yes, ma'am. He calls her that, and obviously, maybe it's half tongue and cheek. Tongue and cheek. But he still sees it. And when they actually drive off to the mansion called Skyfall, I mean, they have that connection, that whole drive. It's clear that he cares about M, especially we see it at the end of the movie in the final scenes. Sure. I think it's very clear. He is an orphan. That comes up several times in this movie. Yeah, that's they make that they very, make very clear. clear. Orphan, orphan makes good agents. How old were you when they died? You know the answer to that. You know the whole story. Orphans always make the best recruits. I think it's clear that she is that figure to James Bond, and now it's basically like Bizarro World. You have James Bond, sees M as surrogate mom, but cares about her trying to protect her, and then you have Javier Bardem, sees her as a surrogate mom, but hates her because he feels betrayed by her. And the movie is the two of them battling it out and and facing in a home alone style house facing each other's demons so anyway when javier bardem takes his jaw out of his face yes that's a harrowing moment good body horror (laughs) and like i knew it was coming even as i watched it again and i was like 
but man, this is this is good. This is like the saggy eye and the cheekbone <laughs> is really what gets it. What gets me? Eye. Yes, but then the genius where he has like this whole thing planned out, and you know, Q tries to crack into his laptop, and it totally, oh, you know, dumb, the, dumb, dumb, dumb. I know dumb, you should dumb, never, dumb. <laughs> you should never do that. Here's why this is dumb. I do not believe that Silva is a master hacker. This is a tell you, and I don't. I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. It is one of those. I believe that Q is brilliant. And Q has the kind of uh, arrogance of someone who's like, yeah, only six people in the world can know how to do this, blah, 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 blah. And it is like, again, it is sort of like the Joker being a really good hacker. It's like, I just don't. You can't have it all the ways. I don't know if we see Javier being the hacker. I think he just is a mastermind, but then he's got cronies that are like geniuses. You don't there's no Did you ever see a crony <laughs> at a laptop that could you think could be a hacker? <laughs> They're all holding machine guns behind him. There's no yeah. Boris with the pen. That is true. There's no Boris. Okay, I'm just saying I don't believe that they set him up like he's got the intellect to like rival Q and he like his laptop has the secret things and he's just waiting for it. Like it is so plot devicey convenient for this guy to be like, Yep, I can do all these things with computers, blah 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 blah. It is it's it's nothing. It was like and the fact that they set this up. Okay, even if you set him up as this big cyber um, intelligent guy who can do whatever he wants in the world, we still it still becomes degraded to him with a weapon and a gun outside of a house. Like it, <laughs> it still becomes like, oh yeah, we can do all this cool stuff. Yeah. There's not really any cool hacking done. It's just a bunch of like Q's got a bunch of screens and it's like, ah, he's in. He opened the door. Or he, you know, planned out all this stuff. But then it's just, okay, well, we do away with that. And he's just a guy who's in a helicopter shooting at a house. So I, I will concede, I don't know how all the hacking happens. Because we don't see Silva do it and he doesn't have a crony to do it. Right. I find that to be a minor plot hole. Let's talk about the whole plot in general, speaking of minor <laughs> plot holes. Okay. The whole reason he's doing all of this is to get... M either alone or to like have his final showdown with her, correct? Yes. So here's what he does. You, I need you to kind of guide me through this a little bit, uh -huh. but here's what I know. Right. Plans it out so she's not at MI6. She blow he blows up MI6. Mm -hmm. He knows about the second headquarters. So that they can build the second headquarters in this underground thing. He then knows that she'll call Bond back in, knows that Bond is still alive. She'll call Bond back in and send Bond to go find him. And he knows that they will find him by going through the person who blew up MI6 or through the, the guy that stole the list. The list was all just a ruse to get... Yeah, he's releasing names of secret agents and they're being killed around the world. So he knows they're going to try and get to him. I don't even know if he knows Bond is going to be involved or not. I don't know if he cares. He just knows they're going to... I think he knows Bond is going to be... Well... He knows someone was going to come for him. That's all. It didn't matter if it was Bond or not. How did they know? So they he just knew that they would end up finding him. Right. Because he's doing this. Right. Yeah, and because he, he wanted to be found. And so... And he knows that he's going to be brought back and not killed on sight by whoever they send to him. Yeah. I mean, he knows... He was an agent. He probably knows their procedures. Okay. So he does all of this. He blows up things. He has the list stolen. He does all this hacking stuff in order 
to be captured in this new bunker. Mm-hmm. And the reason why he's being captured in this new bunker is so that he can hack the computers in this new bunker to escape the bunker that he was purposely <laughs> captured in, correct? Yes. I think he wanted to handicap MI6 and so by like destroying their systems and taking them out. But he could have I mean he blew up their first place. Right. If he knows where the second place is, he could blow up that one too. No problem. Yeah. Why have to why why be captured so you can he doesn't actually destroy that place. I think he wants to look him in the face and let her know how much she hurt him. He knows that she would be in the glass cage area. And then the whole plan there. He knows also on that day that he is going to be captured that she is having a hearing with the Prime Minister and the... Yeah, because the hacky stuff. He knows about all that stuff that's going on. And his plan is to be released, which is not up to him. It's up to when they investigate his laptop. To be released and caught on the day so that he can take the underground tube to the hearing location. Right. And then he can be... And that way he can come in, shoot people. And then what's his plan there? I think he wanted to make a statement. He wanted to murder her publicly and he would have escaped. I mean, he had other cronies there. But his planning was just his plan was just to kill her at that. Yeah, and then escape and then go away. Yeah. And then continue to terrorize MI6. I'm just saying if you wanted to kill her in a public setting, you did not need to be captured, you did not need to have MI6 go down. All cuz he doesn't care about MI6. He doesn't care no, about the whole but system. But he cares about M. He only obsesses about her. Right, and that's why he wanted to see her face to face. He wanted to make a statement, killing her publicly. He obviously knows where she lives. He knows all of this stuff because he's the best hacker in the world, apparently, or whatever. He could have, Bond has been at her home. He could have just been there when she got home one night. I also think he wanted to make the entire MI6 operation look foolish and like inept. There's nothing about his character that shows that he cares about that at all. Because M is like leading that whole organization. Oh, he wants her to be like disgraced before that she's... Or- yeah, disgraced because the organization failed him. Okay, maybe I. Okay, maybe I could. But I could buy that. His vendetta is against M primarily, and then against the whole system that he served as an agent for however long, and that abandoned him. I feel like it's twofold. Regret is unprofessional. Regret is unprofessional. They kept me for five months in a room with no air. They tortured me, and I protected your secrets. I protected you. Because also, when he's talking to M in the glass cage, like he sees Bond there, and like alludes to this idea that like, oh, Bond's her new favorite right. child or whatever. And so I think he hates the whole double O system. Mm. Like I think he's jaded by it all and wants to make them all suffer. Mm. I don't. Know. And that's and he's deranged too. Like I just think his motivation, combined with the computer stuff and the whole thing, is not. It's not enough for me. It's not. I don't need it to be like world saving, grand, but I need it to. Their connection has been. I do believe that Bond has a deep respect for M and loves his country. But like them trying to make it into this son mother relationship and making it so personal they don't give us enough they don't give us enough between the two of them to make me believe it i don't know so i feel like bond goes to great lengths to rescue her from the court scene you know even when silva throws a subway train at him underground um which is you know didn't do it for me that part was a little weird i'll give you that but he rescues m basically kidnaps her which she's cool with because she understands like Silva's after her. And so she's going to 
Everyone's going to be in danger unless she's... 1v1 uh, me. Yeah. Just us. No one else. I love that they go to the garage and he gets that old Aston Martin out of storage. Love that scene. Very classy. Yep. And then we have like five minutes of Bond and M traveling out to Skyfall. They're talking about Bond's history. They stand outside by the car. All these shots are beautiful. Oh, beautiful shots. And Bond is like, M asks him a question about his parents or whatever. And Bond's like, you already know. Why are you asking me? And like, But we don't. We don't. <laughs> I know, but we get this idea that M knows everything about Bond's life from when he was a child. And so whatever Bond knows or not, like he realized like M has always had an eye on him. Not creepily, but like surrogate mom style. I think creepily. Maybe a little creepy. <laughs> I think boss of a secret agent style. <laughs> I don't think it means she knows knows his story super well. I'd just be like, hey, if yeah. all your double O agents, we know your background. But I think that whole car ride then up to Skyfall, I think it shows their connection, Bond and M. I think it gives hints at a connection that we ne- that's never fully paid off. If you're going to make a movie that's not necessarily about espionage at all, it's just about a relationship between a secret agent and his boss i think you need to give me more they're english nate they don't give you any more than that (laughs) they don't do any more than that that's just (laughs) like again we saw something new with a washed up james bond at the beginning of this yes which again i still think that they sort of just folded on that sort of storyline and just like nah he still has to be cool enough to like dispatch of 85 guys during this movie if you're going to give me and I, I, I agree that entering Skyfall Lodge or wherever, his f- family home, beautiful and creepy, and it has that feeling of like stuff happened here that we don't know about, right? <laughs> right, yes. The whole set was made like that, not a real house. It's all hollow plywood and stucco. Yeah, And that's what I think that this whole backstory is. It's a hollow (laughs) facade of a real backstory because it's like it plays the music and it gives you the visuals of like, yeah, his his childhood was here and his parents and stuff happened and they died at some point in time and he's an orphan and like he doesn't like to talk about it or whatever. And even Kincaid says some stuff later, but I never give me some James Bond actually facing. I believe he never faces the fact that he's back other than just like, I hated this place and this is tough. I don't know. If, yeah. Well, give me like there was no emotion. He never went and visited his parents tombstone. He never had anything. He never went to his old bedroom and looked at stuff. All of those things of like, hey, I'm actually thinking about my childhood all he does is rig up his old house as a home alone booby trap house and then he fights in it and then he blows it up <laughs> and i don't think make you know treating your house as a action movie set that then gets blown up is not dealing with your family trauma well i didn't i don't think the point was for him to reconcile his relationship with his parents he went to the his childhood house but i think this is the end of his relationship with M. Like, I, I don't think it, it was less about the cathartic release of some childhood thing. I think it was ending the chapter on 
Because you have to think of the through line from Casino Royale to Quantum of Solace. Like you watch all those, you see the interactions between M and Bond and the beginning of this movie where Bond is like, why'd you tell him to shoot? He feels betrayed just like Silva feels betrayed. And then doesn't seem too bothered after that. Well, they're still working it out. It's tenuous, but it's still clear that however mixed emotions he has, he still cares about M. Are you seeing deleted scenes that I'm not seeing where it's really delving into their relationship in a deeper they don't way? Del- Are you, did you get the extended cut? They're not, <laughs> they're not like talking at length about it, but I think if you just add all the interactions over these three movies, Casino Royale, Quantum Solace, and this one, again, like he calls him mom all the time. I think it's pretty on the nose. You're not going to get like them having lunch at some cafe laughing about their exploits from the past. Like, you're not going to get that kind of scene. Does he know anything about her? He knows everything about her work, which is her life. <laughs> that's all she, that's her life. She mentioned at some point in time that her late husband, who we saw in Casino Royale, who passed away. Okay. Was there a part in Quantum of Solace where he shows any sort of like, hey, sorry, your husband passed away? No, but he's not going to do that. I wouldn't expect that. He just knows about her work. That's her life. Because she's his boss. Anyway, I just want to say, the action from this whole house scene. You might not like the Home Alone stuff. I was cool with the Home Alone stuff. No, I love the Home Alone stuff. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> give me traps. Give me triggers. <laughs> yeah, that was Give great. me glass shards. Give me all of that. They use all of those traps in 30 seconds. Kincaid was hilarious. I liked him. There might be a couple of sticks of dynamite from the quarry. Kincaid was great. Do you know that there was a thought maybe to have Sean Connery play Kincaid? I think that would have been too on the nose, though. Yeah, that's why, I mean, Sam Mendes was basically like, we talked about it briefly, but as soon as fans saw Sean Connery on the screen, it would would completely take you out of the movie because he'd be like, look, it's Sean Connery. But I still think that would have been fun. All the action stuff, cool. Booby traps first, right? Okay. Then it becomes gunfight. Yes. Didn't care for that part. Mm. I thought the booby traps were cool, and I thought the house blowing up and being on fire was cool. Yeah. Incredible visual. Outside of that, it's sort of like, we're two and a half hours in or whatever. It's, this is a long movie. It's a long movie. I, don't, I feel like that was a little bit long. Did you like that whole action scene? It did feel a little long. I think the movie as a whole is a little long. Right. I liked when James Bond has to fight the guy on the ice, and then they go underwater. Like They don't seem to be bothered by the cold, but I immediately thought, like, I think if you... Dr- polar plunge into a water that's been iced over i'm not sure how well you're all moving down there like i mean there's a lot of adrenaline they were they were fighting under the water for a while i think you would immediately stop fighting the guy you're with and like let's go find some air and <laughs> see if we, if we can breathe because we are freezing to death down here but then you still gotta fight the guy i'd rather fight him make sure he's done with and then escape but Okay. Yeah, the the gunfight, but then the hand-to-hand later. And then the tension of Kincaid and M going towards the church. Mm -hmm. Javier Bardem sees the flashlight in the distance. Don't use that flashlight. I tell him every time I watch this. Don't use the flashlight. Just walk in the dark. Walk in the dark. It's not that dark. And even if it is, it's not like there's bears out there. Who knows? (laughs) Which I listened to one podcast a while ago, and that monk hole that was like unused for decades probably Uh from the house out to the field those lamps in there <laughs> well they were like if you have a hole like that tunnel just sitting there for decades that that th- <laughs> the thing would be filled, filled with bears it would just be filled <laughs> with like like animals or whatever <laughs> oh yeah that's a pretty good point but anyway it's just all cobwebbed up but that tension and then finally coming to the church and almost like masha getting jerry langford 
Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the cat getting the bird. Yeah. This is Javier Bardem getting M. I don't know. It's just so tense and intense. And then Bond comes in and stabs him in the back, throws the knife in the back, which I don't know. Does that kill somebody if you just throw a knife in their back? I don't know. He seemed to be first inconvenienced by it right. and then die. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, exactly oh right. man, why'd you put a knife in? He me? looked like ticked, and then he just like drops to the ground. So yeah, uh, unsure about that. But the, all those tense scenes, and then oh, M's bro. death. See, that wasn't t- that tense to me. Javier Bardem like grabbing M's face and holding a gun. She has already had a mortal wound. Yeah, which is un- unclear until like she actually dies. Like we don't know that she's about to die from that wound. I had forgotten that she dies in this movie. Are you for real? Yeah. That's like the whole deal. Right. I thought she, I thought they bring her, I thought she just like gets some medical attention. No, Nate. That's the whole thing. We have to deal with M dying. That's the whole, the whole scene when he's like holding the gun to her head and like he wants, he wants to die. He wants her to right. die. He wants them to die together. Yeah. Yep. Free both of us with the same bullet. Then he gets a knife in the back. Then he falls down. He falls down. And then... The movie ends, basically. Holds them, and she says, I got some one thing right, and then dies. That's right. Which I think is... And he cries. The yeah. first time Bond has openly cried. The second time in all of Bond's history. See? Also, Bond was shot in this movie only the second time since Moonraker. Mm. So, some firsts well, for James Bond. You want to talk about the connection? I mean, Bond cries. That's a thing. I should get one thing right. Yeah. You're right. So? They they desperately want you to think they have an amazing relationship. Not an amazing relationship. They have a tenuous relationship. It is weird and awkward, but it, it is a connection. It is a connection. It is yes. a connection. Is it a connection that's worth a whole movie after I've seen secret organizations trying to plot to destroy the world? I think as yeah. a goodbye to Judy Dench as M, good. As as a aspect of this movie. Because again, I, I think... Okay, yeah. I would say it's, it's a fitting farewell to Judy Dench, who was in seven Bond movies since like 1995, since GoldenEye. Yes. She's been around for forever. I think it's fitting for her. Yeah, and we, I'm glad we saw Javier Bardem as a 007 bad guy. I think he's a good bad guy. And I think the scenery, cinematography is great. Scenery, scenery cinematography is great. Agreed. Yeah. So I, okay, well, I think we should rate this movie. Wait, I wanted to hear your Money Penny thoughts. Money Penny is like fine. It's hard for me to think of Money Penny as like the sniper at the beginning of the movie and then like the accountant at the end of the movie. I feel like it's two characters, but Right. But she's fine. I like her as Money Penny. I love her in it. It makes me go like I actually wish that they barely had her in this. Either she was in it too much or she was not in it enough. She had like a sort of a weird amount of interaction. Yeah. Cuz she was around but not doing as much. Listen, Money Penny just that name alone as a standalone movie spinoff, down. In, <laughs> I'm in for it, yeah, sort of thing. that'd be pretty good. The, I did not like the shave scene. That was that was weird, yeah. I believe, if I remember correctly, Money Penny is always a little coy to James Bond. They have like a right. flirt, office flirtation, but it's yes. never like a... Outright. Outright yeah. thing. And that crossed the line. And the outrightedness early on was like... No, I prefer my money penny being like, listen, Bond, you can be with all the floozies out there, but you like, right, right. You, you really, you couldn't handle me, right, sort of thing. If we were in a relationship, yeah, she seemed a little too smitten for me. I like my money penny a little bit more. I don't need you, Bond. Yeah, but I'm okay with office flirting with you. I agree. I'll give you that. Okay, but can we rate this movie? Yes. 
Okay. On a scale of zero to five, old dusty mansions. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. my rating system. Old I, dusty mansions. I'm going to go first. I'm giving this movie a four out of five. Mm. A four out of five. It's not perfect, but amongst Bond movies, I think it's really good. I think the action is really good. Javier Bardem is really good. Judy Dench's final performance is M. I really like it, and I will watch it again. It is a good Bond movie. Mm. Four out of five. Dusty Old Mansion. It's long. So it's, long, it's a long movie. That's why, again, why it's not perfect. It's a very long movie. Mm-hmm. But what are you going to give Skyfall? And, and before you even give me your number, do you think your number changed slightly from before we recorded till now, after I have tried to make some cases? You might have bumped me up a half, maybe. I'll take it. <laughs> to 0.5 or what? What's, what's your rating? No, I would say I'm going to give Skyfall. I think I came in thinking two. I think I'm going to say two and a half. Wow. Okay. Skyfall two and a half. Here's why. I wrote these down. I'm going to go through my list. Okay. Here, here are the positives. Aston Martin callback. Yep. Beautiful shots throughout this movie. Some fun action scenes. Mm-hmm. The inclusion and in little bits of Money Penny. Yep. A couple great lines from Judy Dench and quippiness back and forth with Ralph. Yeah. Yes, yes. Those are good. I thought he was good too. Also, I put in all caps Kincaid. Loved Kincaid. <laughs> yes. Thought it was good. Yes. I remember, okay, negatives. I remember when watching this, this is when I started getting Daniel Craig fatigue in this role oh yeah okay i thought they started with him being down and out which i loved didn't continue that through line talked about being him being psychologically unfit did not continue that through line i did not feel the bond girl she seemed obligatory and even more token than they typically are in these movies Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. judy dench at times in action scenes is reduced to video game cliche lines (laughs) bond we need that tape bond finish the job Bond, he's on the next street. Fair enough. Get him. Okay. The villain just wants to kill an old woman. There's nothing grand about it. I don't believe his computer hacking stuff. It seems like magic behind the scenes to put the plot form to put the plot forward. The plot is convoluted and all a very complicated Rube Goldberg to again kill said M. Hmm. There is a very large subway chase and running through a crowd. It is the things from Casino Royale, like when they were at the airport, and they're like, actually, we want to see you more chase someone through a crowd. Apparently, that's the exciting part. No, that was the worst part of Casino Royale, and they pumped it up even more now. (laughs) I put this on in all caps. There is no spy stuff in this movie. He has never... A spy at times has to be blend into a crowd and to pretend he's someone else and to gain intel. He does none of this. He is either shooting someone in a suit because that's what James Bond is supposed to be in a suit. They traded big action set pieces for story. A lot of things get blown up, which are cool, but ultimately unsatisfying. Hmm. And Skyfall, like the hollow set that it is, could have been a really cool diving into his past it could have had flashback scenes could have had us figuring out a little bit more about what makes james bond him instead it was just like a vague sense of he is an orphan from potentially from money in a creepy house also i'm not sure he's fit to serve as an agent those are all my thoughts two and a half all right Skyfall. well listeners tell nate he was wrong by commenting on Instagram at Movies on the Side. If you loved Skyfall, like I do, let us know. And if you don't like Skyfall, just write Nate personally. You don't have to put that on social media. (laughs) If you think this movie is beautiful, but ultimately unsatisfying, you may tweet at Stephen (laughs) Rose. Anyway. Also, Stephen... 
Derek Watkins, trumpet player, started playing on every Bond soundtrack since he was 17 years old for Dr. No in 1962. He was in the trumpet section for 23 straight Bond movies. This was his last one because he passed away in 2013. Wow. Derek Watkins, that trumpet trum- player. That's amazing. Thank you for that. Anyway, listeners. You're welcome. Comment on Instagram. Follow us there. Also, we have bonus episodes every week. Check those out on patreon.com slash movies on the side. And like we always say, Bond, where have you been? Enjoying death.